Welcome to Guess the Year. I'm the host. My name's Mike. Today we've got five deadheads from around the country competing for a $50 gift card to REI and a spot in next week's show. Here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a Grateful Dead live track, and each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year their performance is from. Contestants, who are all on video chat to prevent any possibility of cheating, can submit their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest from the correct year is eliminated. The last two deadhead standing will have a best of three series to determine a winner. We've got our four-time returning champion Luke here with us, and we'll meet the rest of the deadheads in a moment, but first, let's hear the first song. Without further ado, The Grateful Dead. the guesses are in. It was cold rain and snow at the Berkeley Community Theater on August 25th, 1972. Cold rain and snow is based on a song called Rain and Snow that originally appeared on a 1917 compilation called English Folk Songs from the Southern Appalachians. So we had three people guess 1971. It was Andrew, Luke, and Cooper. They all move on to the next round. Cooper, we'll start with you. You are 21, and you're from Deep River, Connecticut. What'd you hear there? I was, like, honed in on Bob's tone, which is making me think, like, I don't remind me of Europe 72, but then I went 71 because I didn't really hear any Keith at all. So I'm sure he was there. I just wasn't picking up on it. Um, and then when I heard Phil come in for, like, the cold rain and snow part, I was like, okay, good. I'm, I'm grounded in, like, the early 70s because he really didn't do that after, like, 73, I think. So that's what I was hearing. And Cooper, you were telling us before that you go to UConn and you started a Grateful Dead fan club there. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, um, I'm like a second generation deadhead. Both my parents started seeing shows in like 84. So I always grew up with the music. And then it was like two, three years ago, got into it on my own. And then when I got to UConn, um, I met a buddy of mine. We started like going to see local tribute shows and then started throwing up flyers. We got like maybe like 25, 30 people on the email list. Um, we're going to see some some stuff on Sunday down at Mystic. So um, yeah, it's just great. I was, I was happy to see that there are other people. It's not just people wearing t-shirts, you know, there are other people around. So. So you guys go to shows. What else do you guys do? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not, doesn't have like, you know, registered student organization, like status or anything like that. It just didn't seem to make sense. So 
we just kind of gather at my place and throw on some dead and hang out in the bonfire. Um, I play bass, so people have brought instruments over and just had like a sort of impromptu jam type of thing. It's really just more been like a collection of people getting together more than anything else. But um, there's a really good tribute band by us, and I'm trying to get more exposure for them. So, what's the tribute band? That's Mystic Dead, and they're oh, outstanding. And they play they play uh, all around our part of Connecticut, but I believe they're going to expand to like more like New York area in the future. But uh, I'm really excited because they just great variation in the set lists. Like they don't stick to any era. Like the last show I was at, they had um, Golden Road, but also Built to Last. So they're like all over the place. It's great. Built to Last is a rare cover band jam. That's really dope. I love that song, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Cool. Well, welcome. Yeah. Cooper, you're on the next Thanks. round. Sweet. Andrew, you are. You also guessed 1971. You're also on to the next round. Anything you want to add to Cooper's analysis there? Um, not really to add. He, he said several things that I uh, heard and didn't hear. Um, I actually didn't really hear keyboards at all so um you know sometimes keith could be low in the mix and i just figured all right well pig pen's not there um and then phil singing on the chorus which you know as cooper mentioned didn't really happen much after 72 73 perhaps so yeah um and i'm also gonna give a connecticut shout out i'm actually from connecticut and yeah, that's right. I, uh, oh, that's actually, right. I actually know where Deep River is, and I went to Yukon. No way. Where are you from, Andrew? Uh, West Hartford. Where, where, oh, okay. That's awesome. That's great. So, uh, Andrew is currently. I'm sorry, I forgot to introduce you. You are 52, and you're from, and you're in Portland, Oregon. Yep. So, how did you get into the den? Um, I knew people in. I guess maybe like early middle school who either were listening because they had older siblings who were into the band um, or just from some other way. So I, I had friends who uh, started listening to the dead and I started listening to things like the albums, uh, Skeletons from the Closet, probably Terrapin Station, Shakedown Street. Um, and you know, American beauty, uh, and just kind of went from there. And how did you end up moving on to the live tracks? Um, I, I saw the band a, a bit. Um, so I'm in Hartford actually in 88, which have been widely reviled as terrible sounding shows. The music's not too bad, but Garcia's voice is just shot all three nights. Um, I didn't care. They were my first dead shows. It was hometown. I had friends from high school I went with. It was just fun. Um, and I don't recall if, in fact, at that point, I actually had, I must have had some live shows on tape, but not very many. Actually, at UConn, I got a ton more. Um, that's really where my collection started to grow initially. So when, when Jerry sounded like crap, I've always kind of wondered did the audience say like, man, Jerry sounds like shit or was it just, no one really talked about it. Just whatever. You know, me and my friends, we were all new live show attendees. Um, and I think we were just psyched to be there. I, I, 
I don't doubt that somewhere in the crowd there were people who were just like, man, Garcia sounds like crap tonight. <laughs> you know, since 10 or 15 years, you know, there were people there who I'm sure saw Hartford 77 outdoor shows in 74. So yeah, I'm sure there were some people who were quietly grumbling amongst themselves. Yeah, or even but, it could be sorry, Cooper. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My dad was at one of those shows in '88. He has a story about like one of the Black Peters where like Jerry was just croaking through it, Brutal. And kicks over the stand. I think you can hear it in the recording. He over his mic stand and just rips it at the end. It's so funny. That's awesome that you were there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I've 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 heard a little bit and I've read more about people saying that when specifically Garcia wasn't feeling well, like his voice wasn't working well he would kind of up his picking on the guitar. So those shows sound bad vocally, but the playing is extra hot. Awesome. Big agree. Luke is our returning champion. He's 31. He's from Elliott, Maine. You guessed 1971. You're also on the next round. We actually got an email question for you this week. Um, fuck, what's his name? Um, oh, Jay Guts. Yeah, Jake Guts. He DM'd me on Instagram and he wants to... Oh, he, he dubbed you King Luke, by the way. Pretty dope. And he wants to know what you do after a show. So like you sit, you listen to a show, it ends. How do you kind of move on with your nights? Like, what do you do next? Yeah, you just listen to another show. <laughs> I'm a real sicko, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, or maybe, you know, listen to a fish show or like uh, some like, really, I would actually say my main transition, actually, I'll take that all back is definitely just putting like on some jazz after listening to a dead show in a silent way, like Miles Davis or like live evil or something like that. Even more psychedelic and far out than the dead, really. So you like it because of the contrast? I, I mean, to me, it's like kind of back to when I was talking about how like I'm uh, like my favorite parts of the dead are like the jamming and improv and whatnot. And to me, it's like a similar mindset, just going and listening to some Miles Davis after listening to some Grateful Dead. It's a similar exploratory zone of jamming and it just has a different like tonal quality and texture. So it like sounds good to the ears after. So it's not even like a cool down. You're just like more like I love Im Im improvisational music. Yeah, that's yeah. that's why I love the Grateful Dead and and like love bands that do stuff like this. The improv is my main. You know, the great songs of the Grateful Dead are what drew me in, and they're the greatest songs ever. And you know, by the greatest band ever. But the improv is what keeps me listening after all these years, and what keeps me want wanting to find more shows to listen to. What's an example of a band you would go see live that does not improvise, or is there one? I was going to say, like, Cass McCombs is really good, but even he does a little bit of jamming um, with, with his band. Um, I mean, I don't know. I've seen a lot of bands. I've seen a lot of bands over the years. I, I It's hard for me to even begin. I mean, I've seen, like, hardcore bands. But, like, you know? now, though, I'm wondering, you know, now that you're, you know, fully into this improvisational phase. Yeah, that I need that. I need that looseness to music I listen to. I need it to be rough around the edges. It needs Bobby needs to be there. You know, Trey needs to be there for really to me to get out of the house. <laughs> Phil, <laughs> Phil, of course. I'll take Mickey with the beam. You know, I'll drive hours for just to watch Mickey hit the beam. <laughs> Love it. Well, 
that, did I even answer the question? I guess. Oh, like, totally did. Totally okay, did. cool. <laughs> uh, Jay Guts, thank you for asking and sending. He sent like a nice note about support for the show and uh, yeah, that's his cool. Friendship of you, Luke. So uh, there you go. All right. Well, joining Luke in the next round is Debbie, who is forty-seven and she's from Chicago. Debbie gets nineteen seventy. Debbie, uh, why nineteen seventy? I knew it was early. Um, I was teetering between 70, 71. Um, I, I didn't hear keyboards. Um, it sounded a little rougher. I, so that's why I hesitated with 72. Um, so I, I just knew it was early, early cold winters, cold rain snow. Great. And how'd you get into the dead? Um, actually I was a camp counselor at a music camp when I was in high school. And, um, one day we were sweeping the band shell and, you know, someone popped on St. Stephen and I said, what is that? And that's it. I just kind of got into the dead. I was listening to a lot of Led Zeppelin and classic rock and a lot of reggae. So kind of, there was a little bit of everything for me. So you listen to St. Stephen, and then where do you go from there? Um, American Beauty, you know, I think um, I didn't start listening to live shows maybe until about two years in. Um, I had a boss at a restaurant I worked at in the summer, and he gave me some tapes, and I that kind of started that, like in, I think it was 93, 94. And then I didn't go to my first show till 95, so... But hey, you saw him. Did you were you at that yeah. Soldier Field show or something? Uh, I was at the second to the last. I was gonna go to the July 9th, but I had like an orientation for college things. So so I missed the last show, but I did go to seven, eight, ninety-five. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. How did you I mean you'd been listening to tapes for some time? How did you feel like they sounded in ninety-five? Because I know there's differing opinions. Well, at the time, I thought it was great. You know, um, now, <laughs> um, I I don't really listen to tapes anymore. Um, I mostly listen to the Relisten app on my phone. Um, I don't know. I kind of am always drawn to the '70s shows. I try and mix it up, but I just keep going back. You know, to early '70s or late '70s. Great. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Hawk is 50 and he's from Ojai, California. And Hawk, you guessed 1969. You're unfortunately eliminated. I'm so sorry. What did uh, what'd you hear that made you think 69? Um, honestly, I just, I wasn't thinking straight. I was, I kind of choked. Um, just kind of got <laughs> frazzled with my computer shutting off at the beginning there. And then I, I had food poisoning this morning. I was in the hospital. And I just woke up at quarter to six and I feel like death. And I don't know. I just, I sort of could tell it was between like 69 and 72. And I should have kind of gone more towards the middle of those years. And I didn't know what to guess. So I just put that. Well, we've had some good excuses for much bigger gaps than two years. But I will say being in the hospital and also your computer not working. <laughs> Uh, is pretty legit. Um, yeah. Are you so you're doing okay now? I mean, I, I, I'm all clammy and sweaty, and I feel like crap. 
just super weak tired and yeah like i said i just i slept all day because i didn't sleep all night and then i came home at 6 a.m and basically slept on and off 45 when my alarm went off (laughs) glad i set my alarm but well, thank you for toughing it out. You did not have to do that, but really nice of you. Can uh, can you tell us your deadhead origin story? Then we'll let you go back to bed. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I, a friend of mine, we were young. This was 93. He went, just went to a concert, some band we had never heard of before, and we're hanging out by his house waiting for him to get home at night. He just runs by us. He's like, I don't have time to talk. I'm going on tour. And I'm like, what? And he just, Finally, he comes back out, and me and my friends were like, what's he talking about, going on tour? Or, like, maybe he has a job as a roadie or something, because we didn't know that was a thing, you know. Didn't know the, didn't know of the Grateful Dead, so didn't know people just got up and went on tour and saw multiple shows. I was just used to your normal classic rock, you know. And, yeah, he comes back out of the house. He's like, I, I don't have time. My friends are waiting for me. I'm going on tour. And it was like, yeah, so he just saw one show and decided to do the rest of the tour. And, um, yeah, he, you know, he always called me. He's like, you got to see this band. You got to see them. They're going to be, you're going to love them. You're going to love them. And sure enough, yeah, he finally, he brought a bootleg home from the tour, and I got into it. Didn't end up seeing them until the summer of 94, but uh, Buckeye Lake, actually, my first show. But I was definitely uh, hooked immediately. So you just listened to a lot of tapes from that point on then? Yeah, I just, I mean, back then, you know, I didn't know. I only knew a couple deadheads and really only one of them had a lot of cassettes. So, and he wouldn't, he, at first he wouldn't share them at all because, <laughs> you know, people lose them. Some people aren't responsible. He finally would start lending me one at a time and then I'd have it for like a week, record it, bring it back. And so I was only able to collect like, you know, one every couple weeks for a long time. And then I started meeting other deadheads after a couple of years. And then I ended up with a cassette box of, you know, I think around a hundred bootlegs until I discovered digital, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, started downloading stuff. Well, Hawk, thank you for playing and thanks for being here despite uh, being in the hospital hours earlier. I uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, feel better, man. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks again, Hawk. And Luke Cooper, Andrew, and Debbie are on to the next round. Let's play the song.
right, the guesses are in. Kyle sent in that one. It was satisfaction at RFK Stadium in Washington, D.C. on July 7th, 1986. This was the last show before Jerry fell into a diabetic coma on July 10th. Andrew and Cooper were closest. They both guessed 1985. They're both on to the next round. Andrew, what'd you hear there? Jerry's guitar tone. That just that just screamed 1980. Very solid mid-80s, and I was really leaning to 85. Um, it's kind of all I can say about it. Cooper, you hear the same thing? Yeah, it's something I noticed with a lot of like the mid-80s shows. It's like, I don't know what the right adjective is for Jerry's tone, but it's like, it's like looser than like 87, like to 90. So that's what I heard. Phil was dropping bombs. I don't know if you guys heard that too. It was awesome. But um, on top of that, I'm trying to think. That was pretty much it. Phil's tone is also kind of like, it's kind of gainy, which I think is like, kind of like, I hear that like 83 to 87. So that was kind of what gave it away. So off by a year, but close enough. Luke, you guessed 1981. You're also on to the next round. What'd you hear there? I know they started doing that tune as like an encore, I think, in 81. So I was just like, it must be in 81. But definitely has that big, you know, RFK stadium, football stadium sound. Definitely sounds like an 86. Obviously it is. And uh, really just threw me off. It's hard with the Bobby songs. Yeah, it's a little early in the game for a mid-80s Bobby song. I could have kept that one for the finals. Debbie, you guessed 1993. I'm sorry you're eliminated. (laughs) it that threw me that really threw me um i thought it sounded like big stadium um bob's voice sounded weird to me um i wasn't really paying attention to tone um i i don't know that threw me off (laughs) um yeah well debbie thank you so much for thank you thanks yeah really really great to have you on and Cooper, Andrew, and Luke are on to the next round, vying for two spots in the best of three series final. Let's play the next song.
just a song It's crying of the Stella Blue, on November 4th, 1977, at Colgate University in New York. Stella Blue was first performed on June 17th, 1972 at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles, which was also Pigpen's final show with the band. Andrew, you guessed 1977 exactly. You're on to the finals. What'd you hear there? Um, I've had that show forever. And there were some there were some things about the intro to the Stella Blue that are kind of unique. Um, Jerry's voice, Keith playing the electric piano, um, and I was just like, "Yeah, I think I know exactly. I think I know this is the Colgate show. In fact, just because I've had the tape forever and I've heard this song a lot." So was it the length of the intro that helped you identify it? No, it's not the length. It's sort of the way Garcia's playing around the melody. I don't, I don't have like a elaborate musical vocabulary. Um, it's just, you know, it's just how Jerry's teasing around the beginning of the song. It just sounds different than so many other Stella Blues. All right, you're on to the finals, Andrew. All right. It had to happen eventually. I Cooper, knew it. Cooper guessed 76. Luke, you guessed 74. One second, Cooper. Luke, you did an amazing job. The run has come to the end. What do you have to say? It's been a great run. You have freed me. <laughs> your holidays are now wide open. You can celebrate with your family. <laughs> um, yeah, congratulations, man. You've, you know, standing ovation. Uh, what did you, uh, what about that kind of, I mean, whatever, you weren't that far off, but what'd you hear there? I actually, I was going to say 76 at first myself. Um, and then I, I just sounded like one drummer to me. I thought it was just, uh, you know, Billy just digging in there. So, you know, I was thinking maybe it was a 74 rendition of the tune. Beautiful jammed out intro. I need to listen to that one a little bit more. That's really nice. Yeah. It was relaxing. Just so soothing and yeah. Ethereal. That's sick. Love it. Andrew and Cooper, like. Best of luck to you guys. I can't wait. I'm going to listen to it. I'll, I'll see what happens. That's awesome. Debbie, wonderful playing with you as well. Great job. Love everything you had to say. And uh, Mike, it's been real, man. Luke, we'll, we'll be in touch. Okay, Cooper, we didn't get your um, we didn't get your response. So you you guessed um, 76. Yeah. So you got it, basically. What? Uh, why 76? I also shared Luke's trouble with the drummers because I really couldn't tell. Um, but my main thing that, that brought it from like early seventies to later seventies is like, I feel like Keith's playing post hiatus is more like, um, it's like blockier, if that makes sense. Like I'm not a keyboard player, but like, you, like early seventies is like very intricate and it's a little bit simpler and the late seventies, it's still beautiful. Um, and then I think, um, I think Andrew said that too, is like, I think in the later seventies, he had the electric grand piano that he was doing 
in addition to the regular grand piano. So I heard that, um, but that was just a beautiful rendition. That was what, but that was what, uh, what clued me in. Great breakdown. Thank you. Um, Andrew and Coop, you guys are on to the finals. So it's a best of three series. Let's play the first song. the guesses are in it was scarlet begonias at the warfield on october 10th 1980 the lyric everybody's playing in the heart of gold band was used by keith and donna godshaw to name their new group heart of gold band after leaving the dead in 1979 cooper you guessed 1979 you were closer as andrew guessed 1983 how'd you diagnose that one i it sounded like early Brent because he's like sort of, um, he's kind of more reserved. Like he's like relying heavily on the organ, which I love. Um, it was that. And then Bob's guitar kind of sounded like a little bit like it did at the tail end of the uh, of the seventies. So that's why I went for 79. Cause I wasn't sure if it was 80, but it definitely sounded like early Brent. I was hoping you were going to keep the, uh, you know, when they w- go into the, uh, uh, if I had never been right part, cause that would have given it away with the, with the Brent. But, um, but that was, that was what I was thinking through that. Andrew, you guessed 1983, not too far off. Why 83? Um, so it was clearly a Brent era show, clearly earlier Brent, because um, it was, to me, it sounded clearly pre-coma because Garcia's voice sounded young still. Um, and I was wavering on 1981 and I just kind of decided I'm going to stick with 83 because it sounded like a couple of other Scarlets from 83 that I'm more familiar with. And I just figured, all right, well, it's another one from that year. Great. Well, Cooper needs one more to win. Andrew needs one more to tie and keep the game going. Let's play the next song.
frosted plaid bath rouge waiting for a train the guesses are in me and bobby mcgee was at the selland arena in fresno california on july 19th 1974 the chris christopherson cover was first played live in 1970 and played 100 times through october 74 it was played three more times in 81 and then dropped for good cooper and andrew both guessed 1973 no one gets a point andrew we'll start with you what'd you hear um so I was initially leaning at 1971, but then I heard piano and um, the, the, the tone of Phil's bass has this really, I, I, I think of it as like a really round sound. And I don't know if that makes sense to anybody else, but I knew he didn't sound like that in 1971. Um, and I figured it was 73 or 74, and I thought I would sort of hedge my bet and go 73. Cooper, you were nodding at Andrew's characterization of a round sound on Phil's bass. Yeah, I just think that was a good word for it because it's so hard to like characterize those things. And that for me is like, like that might be the best that it gets for Phil Tone, like on Eyes of the World and stuff like that from the early early 70s. But that was that was the same thing that was guiding me as to when it was from, but I just thought that it was like a little bit like dustier sounding than um, like a, sometimes you hear the, the 74 stuff and it's so jazzy. It's so clean. And that has to do with obviously with how they recorded it, but that's why I went 73 because I felt like it was a little bit um, in between, but I think Andrew had it spot on with what he said. Great. Well, let's play the next song.
All right, the guesses are in. It was all along the Watchtower at U.S. Air Arena in Washington, D.C. on October 10th, 1994. The song was on Bob Dylan's classic album, John Wesley Harding, which he released in 67. He made the album in under six weeks while recuperating from a motorcycle accident. Cooper, you guessed 1992. You were closer. You're our new champ. The 90s are tricky. You got real close. Congratulations. What did you hear? Very tricky. I, I don't know. I feel like the 90s are the hardest to judge of all the decades. Um, Bob's voice is not a good indicator of years, really, because he sounds he's like the most consistent sounding. I don't know. I was trying to figure out whether there were two keyboards or not, and then I realized it was just Vince. But I really couldn't tell first half of the 90s, second half of the 90s, because I don't typically think of 94 is sounding that good. And that sounded pretty damn good to me. So I just went for 92 because it was like a midpoint. Playing the game. Andrew, great run. A Y88. Um, so I th- thought I was hearing Brent here and there. And then at the very end, I was like, uh-oh, wait a minute. Could that be Vince? But it didn't change my mind. Um, I honestly don't recall if Vince ever did backing vocals on Watchtower at any point. Um, and the song didn't seem as sort of jammed out rock and roll as the song was for a stretch. And so I thought, oh, it's earlier in its performance history with the band after the Dylan and Dead tour. And they just haven't gotten to the point of like, we're becoming rock star during the tune because he just decided he hadn't worked up to that for that yet. And I figured, all right, it's earlier in its repertoire. And I just, I was leaning to 87. And then I thought, eh, bring it up another year. That way, if it's 89 by chance, I've got a little more coverage. That little keyboard bit at the very end, I was just like, oh, God, is that Vince? And then I was just like, I, don't, I wouldn't even know what to guess as far as the 90s, because I don't listen to it much, though I did see many shows in the era. Um, yeah. What was the best show you saw in the 90s? I saw a lot of Summer of 91. And I would say that actually the Chicago Summer Solstice show of 91 is the highlight of that entire tour. If I recall correctly, they played a monstrous shakedown to open the show. I think something like 16 or 17 minutes, perhaps. Um, But second set's where it's at. They do... Uh, God, did Foolish Heart open the second set? I want to say it was something like um, Foolish Play. Here, what was the date again? I'm sorry. I'll look it up. Six, and... 622.91. Coldest, coldest summer solstice I ever experienced. <laughs> Seriously. It was really crazy windy. It was cold. I was like, this is summer in Chicago. What are people doing living here? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've lived in Chicago in the summer. It always comes later than you'd expect. Uh, June, it's liable to, you know, uh, hail. Uh, so yes, Foolish Heart started the second set. You're completely so, right. F- foolish playing crazy Terrapin into drums. 
Yep. Yeah. The Terrapin has a tremendous outro jam. And although the dead brought Dark Star jam back at Giant Stadium, those are nothing compared to the full-fledged Dark Star jam that comes out of space. It's about seven or eight minutes. There's no vocals, but it's so clearly a full-on Dark Star as opposed to the teasing around the edges they did at Giant Stadium. Yeah, I, I see on the set list here, it's listed as jam, which I've never seen before. Just pure, it's like first verse, second verse, but just jam here. Wow. That's how you know it's good. Listen to the whole show. And then after the show, after the encore, there were probably about 10 minutes of fireworks over the stadium that were obviously put on by the production. It was fantastic. What a cool show. Yeah. So it actually started with Hell in a Bucket and went into Shakedown Street. Okay. And then it, but then it went into Wang Dang Doodle, Friend of the Devil, When I Pay My Masterpiece, Brown Eyed Woman, and Let It Grow. Mm-hmm. That's great. And you remember it clearly. I mean, you remember the whole second set in order. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I really love that recording and, and show. There's great soundboards out there. Cool. Well, Andrew, it was a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so yeah. much for doing it. Thanks for the opportunity. This was totally fun. Congratulations, Cooper. Good ears. Thank you, Andrew. Great hearing from you, man. Well, Cooper. Congratulations. You are only the fourth champion in the history of Guest of the Years. Congrats. Thanks. We hope to have you on next week to defend your title. Absolutely. For sure. All right. Subscribe to Guest of the Year on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For show updates, follow us at Guest of the Year Show on Instagram. And if you want to be a contestant, sponsor the show, or make comments and ask questions, email us at guesttheyearshow at gmail.com. For the fun facts of the day, I relied heavily on Dead.net, Dead Disc, Grateful Dead of the Day, and their commenters. Thank you. Big thanks to the amazing tapers whose recordings made this show possible. Congratulations to our new champion, Cooper. And to our other contestants, thanks so much for playing. And remember, it's all one song anyway. Good night. Good night.